Welcome to the Rhodes Church Podcast. We are so excited to connect with you. We hope that this podcast builds your faith and that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. All right, we are on Kingdom Culture. We're continuing this mini-series or whatever you want to call it. It's been streaming all of 2021 almost. But we're about to land it. I believe the Lord told me this week to move on for now. And uh, so we won't be talking about it as far as I know. I've said that before and had to back up on it, but I believe it's what he's telling me. But here, let's get our Bibles out here at the roads. We get excited when you open our Bibles because we believe there's a roadmap of truth for our lives. So if you've got them, come on, let's get excited and open up to Revelation 13. Woo! Revelation 13. Got some sermon notes available there in the worship guide for you. Also on the YouVersion Bible app, your note takers are world changers. Here's our theme for today. As we end this part of the talk, the theme today is come Lord Jesus. Come Lord Jesus. Yes, quickly please Lord. There's uh, three things I want you to know about the kingdom of God. Number one, the kingdom of God has come. It is coming, and it will come. Three perspectives of that. You need to understand that. The kingdom of God has come already. Jesus came, said the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It is still coming, and it will come in totality. So if we get that perspective, when we're talking about the end times, there's over 150 chapters in the Bible that point to the end of days. And so we could talk about this for a long time. But we're going to stop today and we're going to focus on what I believe the Lord's saying to me is to focus on the most important part of the end times, and that's the who behind the what. We get caught up sometimes, and and, uh, I'm going to adjust even from what I did in the first service. A lot of times we can get so caught up in the what and the when and get enamored with facts about when this is going to take place and what's going to happen, and we have no connection or relationship with the who that it's all about. Again, the what and the when and all of that is important. I don't, I don't prescribe to the fact of, ah, none of that matters. It matters. Jesus put it in the book for a reason. And we'll come back to it. I'm still going to talk about some current events, but some things that I had planned to highlight, uh, I'm not going to highlight today. I felt like the Lord said, save that. I'm like, all right, I will save it. So I want to start reading in verse 16 of chapter 13. I want to skip a little bit. Watch last week's message. I went into detail on this uh, portion of scripture, but I'm just going to highlight something and get into the who, because I feel like it's time for us to focus on and remind people about what this is. When I say this, what this Bible, what coming to church, what all of this is about, we lose track of it. We, we get caught into this churchianity deal where we think it's about coming to church and listening to some songs and a sermon, and then I go back into my world and I just do what I do, and we think it's just about this event for an hour and a half on one day. It's not about that. It's bigger than that. It's bigger than that. And the problem is, is we raise up our kids too much to think about, just go to church. It's what you're supposed to do, go to church. Should you go to church? Yes, you should go to church, but you should go to church for a person that you're going to encounter him and live for him seven days a week and not just for a portion of one day. So there's a bigger picture, and I I want to make sure and drive this home 
on the end times, how it's going to play out, who it's going to play out for. In verse 16, it says, he causes all, both small and great, rich and poor. This is talking about the false prophet and the Antichrist in the end. Small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand and on their foreheads. We're not sure what that mark is, but we believe it has to do with... Uh, when it says right hand and foreheads, is that literal? Is it going to be only in the right hands and on their foreheads? Or is it also figurative, dealing with the hand represents what we do, the forehead represents what we think? Will it be a control factor of trying to control what we do and think? I believe it will be possibly both. And that no one may buy or sell. No business transactions will take place except those who have the mark the name of the beast or the number of his name. I'm not going to get into the details of that. I had some stuff that I was going to go into detail and the Lord said save it. So we're going to save that. Here is wisdom, verse 18. Let him who has the understanding calculate the number of the beast for it is the number of a man. His number is 666. Now God gave John this vision. This was written around 70 AD, 95 AD, somewhere in that, that uh, time period. And I believe God gave John this, this vision and these facts because he wants us as the church to know what's up and be ready so we're not deceived. So I think these facts are important. I think the right hand, the forehead, I think the mark, the name, and the number are important. And I believe the number of his name, uh, uh, the number of a man, his number is 666. I think all of that is important. We're not going to talk about it today because I want to talk to you about the why we do or don't receive the mark. What the mark is, we'll figure that out at some point. But the why I do or don't take it is more important. Because if I, if I just concentrate on the mark and I don't have the who in my heart, then the what won't matter. The only thing that's going to help me say no to the kingdom of darkness is the presence of the kingdom of the sun. So... Let me show you what's going to happen for those who do take the mark. Let's look at the consequences, the eternal choice and the consequences of the mark. Go over to chapter 14 of Revelation, and we'll start reading in verse 9. It says, Then the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and his image and receives his mark on his forehead or on his hand, he or she themselves, they shall also, listen to this language, now, I want you to see Jesus of the end times. There's Jesus that walked on this earth as the Lamb of God, Matthew through John. There is Jesus who's the Lion of the tribe of Judah that's going to return. And his role, he's the same person, but his role will be different in this time versus what he did when he came to die on the cross. He came to die on the cross as the sacrificial lamb to say, I'm paying the price for sin of all humanity. I'm laying my life down. I'm humbling myself, becoming a man. Jesus became a man. I don't think we understand that. He humbled himself, took on the form of a man, became a human being so that when he died on the cross, it qualified and counted as if I did. If he did not become a man, then it would not count for me. He took on humanity. But when he comes back, it's going to be different. (laughs) 
He resurrected in his resurrected body. So he's fully God, but he's a man with a resurrected body. Firstborn of many brethren. So now when he comes back, he's going to have a different role. So I want you to see this end times Jesus. So whoever takes this mark, here's what's going to happen. He himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. Yeah. Some things we're going to talk about today, they're not for the powder, sugary, donut, pump you up mentality. People like the, tell me something how God's going to bless me stuff so I feel good about myself and I believe I'm going to heaven because I'm a good person. That's not how it works. We need to understand that Jesus is loving, kind, merciful, and gracious. He's also just. Hmm. So they're going to, this cup of his indignation, that sounds strong, whatever he's drinking. It shall be tormented, oh sorry, he shall be, this is the person who takes the mark. They shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the lamb and the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever and they have no rest day or night who worship the beast, his image, and whoever receives the mark of his name. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are those. Notice what the saints are qualified as. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Who gets to be counted as saints? Those who keep his commandments. Are you talking about, Chad, you're talking about works and earning it, if you do all the right things, you get it. No, no, no. I'm talking about love because God says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. So when he writes here and says, those who keep my commandments, you could also write in there, those who love me. Oh, I love Jesus. Do you keep his commandments? Well, I do the best I can. Do you love him? Let's go to another verse. Go to, go to Revelation chapter 19. Revelation chapter 19. All right. I want to I I see the hope of his calling. The hope of his calling. Here's what I want to give you. A perspective of how this is going to play out. This is what's going to go down in the end. Are you right? This is the most glorious story. If you are a believer and a follower of Jesus, right now this is the greatest news you will ever hear all day. Oh, man, this is incredible. If you're not sure whether you're going to heaven, this should be the most eye-opening thing you ever hear all day. Two different responses going to be to this passage. You're either going to go, yes, that's awesome, or I'm not sure about that. Listen, <laughs> this is a reality. <laughs> Here's what I want to say. I don't want to get, read, get it to reading it, but I want you to understand. This is a picture into the true reality. What we're seeing is temporary. Jesus is more real than the chair you're sitting in. I'm telling you what we're going to read, this is eternal stuff. Not temporary stuff. It is real. All right, let me go. I started to say some other stuff, but I ran around the track and it tripped and fell down. Verse 6. 
And I, it says, and I heard as it were the voice of a great multitude, as the sound of many waters, and as the sound of mighty thundering, saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory. Why? For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready. Who are we talking about? We're talking about Jesus, and he's getting married to his wife, his bride. Who is his bride? His bride is the church. Not church like only the Rhodes Church, but the universal church of Jesus Christ. That's his bride. We are called the bride of Christ. Even males, we are the bride of Christ. We're married to him. So his wife has made herself ready. And to her, to the church, it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen. Oh, put on some fine linen. (laughs) Clean and bright. Pay attention to that phrase. For the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Then he said to me, speaking to John here, write this down. Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true sayings of God. And I fell at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, see that you don't do that. I am your fellow servant and of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Then check this out, listen. Then John saw this. He said, now I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. Now this is not figurative. This is literally going to happen. I saw a white horse, and he who sat on him was called faithful and true. I'm telling you this, folks, someday, I don't know exactly when, we will see coming out of the eastern sky a man sitting on a white horse, riding into the earth. It will be Jesus, our Redeemer. He's called faithful and true. And in righteousness, look what he does when he comes back. He judges and makes makes war. I thought Jesus was loving and kind and peaceful. He is, but he is just. And when he comes back, he's coming back with war against his enemies. His eyes, check out his eyes. His eyes were like flame, like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood. Why was his robe dipped in blood? Well, maybe that's just figurative because of of him uh, dying for our sins and is the blood of it. No, 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 no. This, if you will go and read Isaiah 63, his robe is dipped in blood. That is the blood of his enemies. I'll prove it to you more in a minute. Let's read on. And his name is called the Word of God. This is Jesus. And the armies in heaven clothed in what? In fine linen. Who had fine linen on? The bride. (laughs) So who's the armies of heaven coming with him? His bride. If you don't like to ride horses, you better practice up and get ready. Because there's a white horse waiting for me. He's going to be a tall horse so my feet don't drag the ground. 
Jesus ain't giving me a Shetland pony. I promise you that. <laughs> Fine linen, white and road. How many hands tall is he going to be? I'm not sure. Stay focused. White and clean. Followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth, now check this out. This is Jesus. Out of Jesus' mouth goes a sharp sword that with it he should strike the nations. These are literal people. Who are the nations? These are the Antichrist armies against coming against and attacking Israel. He said this sword's going to come out of his mouth and he's going to strike the nations. And he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. Treads the winepress. Remember when his robe was dipped in blood? Treading the winepress? Anybody remember I Love Lucy? Some of you older generation, you know what I'm talking about? I just heard about it on YouTube or something, but... There was, I Love Lucy was a show of her treading the wine press. Notice she was holding her, all of her garment, got it all stained with the juice. This is what it's talking about. Jesus walking through the blood of his enemies as they're slain. His robe is dipped in blood because he is defeating the enemies of God and his blood, the blood of his enemies is coming across his garments. Tell you, read Isaiah, 60, Isaiah 63, you'll find it. They should strike the nation's uh, robe. Okay, and on his ro- he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the birds that fly in the midst of heaven. Come on, check this out. This is a little graphic, but this is what's going to take place. They start speaking to the birds. This angel says, Come, gather together for the supper of the great God, that you may eat the flesh of kings the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses and of those who sit on them, and the flesh of all people, free and slave, both small and great. Calling birds in to eat the flesh of his enemies that he struck with the sword that comes out of his mouth. And I saw the beast, who's the beast? The Antichrist kingdom. The kings of the earth, their armies gathered together to make war against him who sat on the horse and against his army. They're going to believe they can take Jesus out. Then the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet, that we just talked about in chapter 13, who worked signs in his presence, by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. These two, look what happens to them. These two were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone. And the rest of his armies, the rest of the people, were killed with the sword which proceeded from the mouth of him who sat on the horse. horse. Who sits on the horse? Jesus. What is Jesus doing to the enemy armies? He's killing them all. This is end time Jesus. And all the birds were filled with their flesh. Now go to Revelation chapter 22. Now you're thinking, wow, this is a great pump me up service. Never heard a sermon like this, painting Jesus to be out, be some kind of killer. Jesus is not a merciless killer. He is a just God. And he is going to give plenty of time and opportunity for people to repent. 
He will give time and time and time. His mercies are new every morning. But there's coming a day when the clock will stop. You have time as you're sitting here listening to me and you've heard sermon after sermon after sermon. You're going to hear another one today and get another chance to say, Jesus, I will give you my life. But someday the clock will stop and there will be no more sermons that you can ignore. There will be you and I standing before God in that moment answering. Now look what it's going to look like. Revelation chapter 22. Are you with me so far? Mm. Because notice what it said back in 19 when it says that, yeah, skip that. Go back to 22. Verse 6. Then he said to me, this is the vision, John writing this down. These words are faithful and true. And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show his servants the things which must shortly take place. Now Jesus jumps in. It's, it's in the red, verse 7. Here's what he says. Behold, I am coming quickly. This vision was given 70, 95 AD. And Jesus said then, I'm coming quickly. It's 2021. If he said in 70 to 95 AD he was coming quickly, how much more are we closer to his return? Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Now jump down to verse 12. Here's Jesus speaking again. He says, and behold, I'm coming quickly and my reward is with me. He's bringing his reward with him. What's his reward going to be? To give to everyone according to his word. Now peep this, hang on. Jesus is returning and he says, my reward is with me to give to each one according to his work. I want to clarify what Jesus is talking about when he says reward according to our work. He's not going to reward me based on just what I do that makes me a nice, swell guy. His reward is attached to his assignment for my life. His reward is not attached to me doing whatever I want and asking him to bless it. His reward is attached to my faithful obedience to what he asked me to do. It does not mean I won't go to heaven. My salvation is by the grace of God accepting Jesus into my heart, giving him my life, living for him. But my reward is attached to the work that I did according to his purposes. So I will not get rewarded for doing things that he did not ask me to do. This is where it gets sobering. Because we want to be rewarded for what we do and say, hey, I was a good person. I did this, did this, this, did this, did this. I had this career. I did this all this life. And he said, that's great. You had a wonderful career. I didn't ask you to do any of that. When you were 16 years old, I called you and told you to do this, but you went in the other direction. Now, welcome into heaven, but you do not get reward for that life that you lived on those things. The Bible talks about it's going to be consumed and burn up because it wasn't the precious jewels for him. Now you're like, Chad, I, I don't like that. That kind of makes me nervous. Am I doing what God called me to do? It should make us very nervous to ask him, what should I be doing with my life? 
The problem, we haven't, we haven't preached this. We just preach do whatever you want and go to church and we'll go to heaven. That's it. That's not it. There's a kingdom coming. I want you to be ready for a kingdom. I don't want you to be ready to get out in time for lunch. That's why we build people up in the church. Just, hey, come in, hear my good sermon. I'll make sure and have you out in time for lunch. <laughs> There's a kingdom coming. Jesus is coming. Look what he says. So he's going to reward according to our work. So should I be asking Jesus what I should do with my life before I go to college? Yes. Should I be asking Jesus what I should do with my life if I'm 75 years old today? Yes. Start now. You're like, well, it's too late. I've wasted my... No, start now. Don't wait. He says in verse 13, I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Jesus said, I am all in all. I'm not alpha and omega. I'm alpha and omega, beginning and end. It's no end to him. Blessed are those, verse 14, blessed are those who come to church on Sundays. It doesn't say that, does it? It says, blessed are those who do his commandments. that they may have the right to the tree of life. You know who has the right to the tree of life? Those who do his commandments. It's a pretty specific category. Remember I said, was it last week, a couple weeks ago, I said that Jesus was coming for a phrase in the church? You remember what the phrase was? Nobody's perfect. He's coming after that phrase because he's saying my church has welcomed in compromise in the name of a phrase of nobody's perfect. He's coming for it. He's coming for it. Not that we don't live by grace. Oh, don't hear me. I'm not taking grace out of the picture. By grace am I saved through faith. It's not of works. It's a gift of God Not so nobody can boast. This is not what I'm talking about. I'm just telling you, he's saying here, those who do his commandments, God's wanting us to open up our eyes that we have preached such a complicit message that people are acquiescing into behavioral dysfunction and calling it righteousness, calling it the church, calling it Christianity. And God's saying, here, here are my commandments. Walk ye in them. This is it. This is it. But here's what happened. Here's what happened. The Bible is saying, or there's a movement right now to not take the Bible literally. Don't take the Bible literally because here's, the, here's what's happening. When we don't take the Bible literally, then it opens it up to all kinds of interpretation and conceptualization that I can decide what I want to believe. I think it means this. I think God means this. But when we take it literally, we understand there is a requirement for us to follow his commandments. Again, follow his commandments from a heart place of loving him, not following his commandments so that he will love me. That's works. I'm going to do good so God loves me. No, because I love him, I do what he asks me to do. Such a different paradigm. Keep reading. That they might have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. Did Jesus ever talk about gates? I believe he talked about two gates one time. Remember he talked about two gates? He said one of them's wide, broad, and leads to destruction. He said, but there's another gate. It's narrow 
and difficult and few there be that find it. He says, enter in through the gates into the city, but outside, everybody say outside. outside. Get this picture. There's inside. Anybody, anybody like to be on the inside of things? Inside scoop? You want to be on the inside of this one. The inside of this one are those who do the commandments of Jesus and live their life for him. The ones on the outside are dogs, sorcerers, sexually immoral, murderers, idolaters, and whoever loves and practices a lie. They're on the outside. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. He said, I sent the angel to tell these things to the churches. But we haven't been telling them to the churches because we wanted to grow the church and get more people to come. So we tell them things they want to hear. And God's saying, I want you to tell them that I'm coming. I'm coming. And I'm coming for those who will do my commandments. I am the root and the offspring of David. Oh, that's some good meat right there. The bright and morning star. Here we go. Check this out. And the spirit and the bride say, come. The Holy Spirit and the bride, that's the church. We together in unison say, come. And let him who hears say, come. And let him who thirsts, come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. You know who gets the water of life freely? Those who desire it. The hungry and the thirsty shall be filled. It's not, well, I don't know. If God wants me to have it, he'll give it. No, no, no. The thirsty, those who desire more of God, they're the ones who's going to get to drink. Verse 18. For I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book. He who testifies to these things, this is Jesus speaking, says, surely I am coming quickly. Jesus says, surely I am coming quickly. And then those who respond say, amen, so be it. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Here's what I felt like the Lord told me to emphasize today. All the details that we've talked about, and there's much more that we can talk about, about the end times and what's happening. He said, I want them to fall in love with the who because I'm coming, I'm coming, and I want them to be able to say that they're part of the bride and be able to say, come Lord Jesus. The ones who know Jesus as Lord, they're going to be saying, come, come get me, I'm ready. People who don't know are going to be like, I'm good, I'm fine. I hope that happens when my kids or my grandkids but the spirit and the bride right now are saying, come. When's it going to be? I don't know. I don't know when, it's, when he's coming. But the emphasis he wanted to bring to you today is, are you ready today?
Are you ready? Are you keeping his commandments? Are you following his lifestyle? Are you doing what he's called you to do? Two things I'm going to do today. I'm going to give a call for two responses. If you would, just go ahead. I want you to stand to your feet. You need to stand up for a moment. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Can we just bow our heads and this is a you and God moment. This is an eternal moment. An eternal moment. The reality of what I've just read to you will take place, whether you believe it or not, whether you're ready or not, it will happen. Jesus really is the Son of God. He's really in heaven. And he's really going to come back to this earth and set up his kingdom. And he will defeat all of his enemies. Those are trying to that come against and attack Israel. And we'll talk about that at some point. We'll lay out the countries that are coming against Israel, what they're going to do, their strategy, all of that. But right now it doesn't matter. The what doesn't matter, the who matters. Do you know who is coming? Two things I'm going to offer today. Holy Spirit, I lean into you to hear your voice, that your presence, your goodness lead us. Right now, those that would say to me or say, you'd be able to say this maybe to yourself, I'm not born again. I don't know that I would go to heaven. I don't, I'm not keeping his commandments right now. I'm kind of doing my own thing. If I was to stand honestly, transparently before God in this moment, I don't know that I'm saved. I don't read my Bible and I don't pray. I'm not asking, did you pray a prayer at one point in your life? I'm talking about, do you have a relationship with Jesus right now? If, under the voice of heaven right now, that you would say, I do not know if I'm born again, or I know I have, but I've run away from God, and I want to recommit my life to Jesus. I'm not talking about praying some casual prayer that makes you feel cool and, and hide you know, in, a, in a group of people. No, no, no. I, I believe God is calling us to a place of sacrificial. I'm not calling this a, a, a comfortable call to just say, well, just raise your hand and pray this prayer and, and just keep it between you and God. That's not what I'm calling for. Right now I'm calling for those who say under the conviction of the Holy Spirit, Chad, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to live holy for him. I know right now I'm not saved if I am not sure, then I want you to get out of your seat and come to this altar and give your life to Jesus. If you're watching online, I want you to get out of your chair, kneel right there in your living room, and give, begin to give your heart to Jesus. Come on. This is not for, for uh, coddling your pride, making you feel better about yourself. This is saying, I want to be on the inside. I don't want to live in compromise. I want to give my life to Jesus. So right now, get out of your seat and come to this altar and say, Jesus, I want to live for you. I don't want to play church. I don't want to, just because my parents were saved, just because I once served God, just because I walk into a church service every week, that means I'm saved. No, in your heart of hearts, is there any doubt at all whether you're born again? Come and remove all doubt. Remove all doubt. I'm going to wait on you in the name of Jesus. Secondly, if you're a Christian, 
but you're not sure that you're living for the rewards that God has for you. That you're concerned that you're wasting your life. Concerned that you're not in the vein that God wants you to be in. And you want to find your place to receive your reward. Then I want you to get out and come this way. And say, God, I give you my career. I give you my life. I give you whatever I'm doing, whatever you want to do, it's up to you. I yield it all to you. If that's you, come. Come now. Come now. Just lay it down on the altar. Say, Lord, I want to receive my reward. I don't want to miss out on my reward in heaven. I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss what you have for me. Come on, is everybody in the room saved? Is everybody saved? Come on, if you are not sure your salvation, walk right now down and receive Christ into your heart. Come now and give your life to him. If you're not sure about your reward, if you want to check, say, Lord, am I doing what you've created me to do, what you've called me to be? Come now, come, kneel. Kneel. You're not kneeling to me. You're not kneeling to this church. You're kneeling to your Savior, Jesus. Come, give your life to him. Commit your heart to him. No playing games. No living your secret sins out in the world and coming in church and making it look good and everybody thinks you're fine when you know in your heart you're not living for God. Right now, come and make a commitment to him. Why am I passionate about this? Because we will stand before the holy of holies someday and there will be no hiding our sin. There will be no hiding our complacency and our churchianity. It won't be like that. Somebody's got to tell you in loving kindness, repent and give your life to Jesus. Are you keeping his commandments? I'm coming and my reward is with me to give to each one according to their work. Ministry team, if you want to come and just begin to pray with some that are here. There's somebody that needs to give their life to Jesus. There's somebody still that's not giving your life to Jesus. I want you to come. I want you to come. You, your heart is racing right now. And you're like, not here. Not here. God's saying, we cannot come to God unless the Spirit draws us. Do not take the draw of God for granted. I don't get to pick when I get saved. When he draws, when he touches me, I've got to respond. When he's moving on me, I've got to respond. I've got to say yes. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit us at theroads.church. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our latest sermons.